so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. You're listening to the ERLC podcast. Can't add another streaming service. I know. Netflix. Disney Plus. <laughs> yes, I know. We need to get rid of some of ours. We another show that is heartwarming. Heartwarming. Heart doesn't give you heartworms. It gives you a warm heart. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the ERLC podcast, where each week we'll be talking about our work at the ERLC and focusing on what Christians should know about the things going on in the world. I'm Lindsay Nicolay. And this week, uh, my co-host, Brent, is doing work, he says, but he's uh, also on a beach somewhere in the warm weather. So that's pretty convenient. But I am so glad to have the host of the Capital Conversations podcast, my colleague and my friend, who, by the way, is much nicer and much better looking than Brent Leatherwood, the one and only Chelsea Sobolik. Lindsay, I am so excited to be here. I have told this to you and Brent, but I listen to this podcast every Saturday morning when I work out. So you guys are my workout Saturday buddies. So I'm so excited to be here. We're so honored to be your workout Saturday buddies. I wish I was getting some of that calorie burning and heart <laughs> health effects, the rubbing up on me because <laughs> I haven't been uh, like on a treadmill or actually working out in a long time. I consider carrying my kids up and down the stairs a workout. That's a workout for sure. <laughs> it is a workout, but hopefully we'll uh, follow after you and, and start getting back into shape here with the warm weather coming up. Well, again, we're so happy to have Chelsea with us. We're going to be discussing some DC-related items in our culture section that Brent usually covers. But first up, we want to tackle what's been happening at the ERLC this week and what we've been talking about. Our first article is by our colleague, Jason Thacker. It's titled, How Do We Seek Justice Without Compromising Truth? An interview with Thaddeus Williams about social media, social justice, and a Christian's responsibility. So Thaddeus has written a book about confronting injustice without compromising the truth. And in this article, he explains that seeking justice, it's an inescapable call for the Christian. How we will do that is up for discussion, but we can unite as Christians around the fact that we are called to display who our God is. He's a just God through caring for our neighbors. So Thaddeus, in this book and in this article, which was originally an interview that he did with Jason Thacker, he exposes the unbiblical ways that we think about social justice and how we treat one another regarding the subject. And this is particularly seen on social media. And he calls us to look to what God's Word says about this and for us to confess and repent of ways that we are being unbiblical and turn to walking in the light and loving one another as we care for our neighbors. So I would highly recommend this interview. It's really, really interesting. One of his mentors is John Perkins, 
who we have done some stuff with here at the ERLC, who's a civil rights hero, and he wrote the foreword to the book. And so he discusses some insights that Dr. Perkins has as well. Our next article is by Elizabeth Bristow, and this is in line with caring for our vulnerable neighbors. This is titled, What Do Christians Need to Know About Child Sex Trafficking? A conversation with Gretchen Smeltzer, founder of Into the Light. And Into the Light is a nonprofit organization focused on ending sex trafficking and caring for victims of child sex trafficking. And I'll tell you what, living in a world where child sex trafficking exists is heartbreaking. It's just a heartbreaking reality. It is hard to understand, even though as believers, we know about the reality of the fall and the reality of evil, but it's just a terrible reality. Many of us probably feel powerless to do anything, and yet we feel a pull to be able to do something for some of these most vulnerable of our neighbors. And of course, while we're called to pray, we can also praise God for raising up people like Gretchen who dedicate their lives to putting an end to this evil and caring for these sweet, precious children who just need the intervention of God in the midst of such hard situations. I am so glad, Lindsay, that you started with the first article that you did because it really does lay the foundation for then how to think about issues of trafficking or all the different issues of love of neighbor in the public square. So I'm really excited to hopefully uh, read Thaddeus's book soon. From our perspective in D.C., every issue we work on, um, a lot of issues are justice issues, and we think about them from a scriptural basis. And so it's it's helpful to have that foundation laid, but then to highlight the work of people like Gretchen and, and the great work that she's doing on behalf of vulnerable children around the world. You know, and like you said, Chelsea, these so many issues fall under justice issues. And it's really hard for me to see when, as believers, we fight about the fact that we should even be doing these things. It's like, it's a duh thing, you know? Like, God came and cared for us and pulled us out of darkness and out of the grip of evil and did justice toward us when we didn't deserve it. And so, why would we not want to do the same? And why would we not want to care for those who are facing marginalization, who are facing wickedness, who are struggling? Why would we not want to care for them? And so we're thankful. We'll talk about more about this, but we're thankful for the work that you in particular are doing in D.C. Our final article is by Michael and Melissa Kruger, and it's titled, How to Pray Through Conflict as a Couple, an excerpt from Five Things to Pray for Your Spouse. So in light of Valentine's Day coming up, we, of course, wouldn't want to miss an article about relationships. And while love is often sentimental and it's viewed that way in our culture, and there's a place for that. I love me some good rom-coms, you know? It's often being committed in the nitty-gritty where the rubber meets the road as far as love, particularly marriage, being a covenant and a commitment as we know as believers that God has designed. So that's why I like the idea for this book, persevering in love and in our covenant commitment for those who are married is often won through prayer, not necessarily 
those sentimental things, the chocolates and the flowers, although there is a place for those. Uh, I love some good Godiva chocolates if my husband is listening to this. Here, here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love, I like getting flowers and my husband is good about that, but it's one through prayer because it, there's often a spiritual battle involved. And we know that because God in His Word has pulled back the curtain for us and helped us to see what's going on in the invisible realm when it comes to marriage, which is a picture of Christ and His bride. So I love this book. I can relate to conflict as a couple, not um, necessarily in my flesh wanting to go to prayer. But it's just important, and I think that we should, as Christian couples, be willing to pick up this book and be willing to do the hard work of praying for our spouses. This is a very helpful um, article for me, married, definitely navigate conflict. I mean, I think Anytime you're in close proximity in relationship with others, you navigate conflict. And I really appreciate how this article is structured. It's, you know, five quick points with scripture and then how to put this into practice. So I'm definitely going to be bookmarking this article to to return to um, and, and regularly remind myself and rehearse these things so that hopefully they come out of me more naturally than than other things do in conflict. <laughs> yes, like, uh, well, you did this, do you remember? And it's mm-hmm. really sad how so often— So easy to do. Yes, those things come out and not prayer. And, you know, I was single for a long time until I was 34, and I thought I was doing pretty well spiritually, just mature and treated people with kindness, and then I got married. (laughs) And my husband is great and so kind and thoughtful, but wow, it's amazing how sin comes out. So I'm thankful for the hope that we have in Christ and the hope of the gospel and the invitation to prayer that we have to come before our God's throne. So we have a lot of other helpful articles. Chelsea, you and our colleague Hannah there in D.C. have written a really helpful article this week about caring for those who have been marginalized that I would encourage our listeners to check out. But for now, that's your look at what's happening at ERLC.com. And moving into our culture section this week, we're going to do something a little different and focus on our work, mainly on our work in D.C. So Chelsea, why don't you let us know what's happening? Absolutely. So I thought it would be helpful to kind of chat about some news of the day in Congress. And then as 2022 gets underway, um, I also thought it'd be helpful to highlight, you know, a few items that the ERLC policy team is working on in D.C. on behalf of Southern Baptists. So kind of top of mind in Congress right now, government funding runs out on February 18th. So that deadline is coming up soon. Congress is working on a short-term continuing resolution, a CR, um, that would keep the government funded and running through March 11th. So it's just about three, three and a half weeks there. Um, And then they're expected to pass an omnibus, which is passing uh, the 12 appropriations packages to keep the government running until the next appropriations package. So you know, one of the basic functions of Congress is making sure that our government is funded. And, you know, sometimes with these uh, funding deadlines, both sides do it, but uh, there can be a temptation to attach a pet project or to uh, filibuster a CR. And so we've Previously, um, it hasn't been incredibly recently, but previously we've gone into government shutdowns because of debates on both sides about what to include or what not to include and things like that. Um, It doesn't look like there will be a government shutdown, but 
anything can happen these days in Congress. So that is what they're working on this week. And then uh, for folks to be aware of, so our work in, in D.C. falls into five main buckets. And Within each one of these buckets, there's a whole host of issues that we work on. This overview is certainly not extensive. If you are curious for more, more in depth of, of what we work on here, we release our public policy agenda in January that goes um, into great depth. And of course, these issues, um, you know, things pop up throughout the year that weren't on our policy agenda that we need to work on. So this is kind of casting vision for where we think we will be this year. Um, but of course, everything is, is subject to change a little bit because of what's happening in the world. But those five main buckets are uh, issues of religious freedom, human dignity, marriage and family, justice work, and international work. And Another uh, thing to note is there's a lot of overlap in some of these issues. Um, for instance, uh, which I'll mention in a bit, we work on behalf of refugees. And uh, certainly that fits kind of most neatly into our justice category, but there's also overlap with religious freedom issues, you know, people who are fleeing religious persecution and are refugees, issues of human dignity. So they all kind of do overlap, but uh, we kind of structure it in these five pillars. So the first the first uh, one is religious liberty. Um, this is a top priority for the ERLC. It is in our name. We work a lot on behalf of the religious liberty of people here in the United States and around the world. But there were a lot of opportunities for us to file what's called an amicus brief or a friend of the court brief in multiple religious liberty cases before the Supreme Court. We filed at least three and there are more opportunities coming. There's a, a case that we're about to join a brief on. It's the Coach Kennedy prayer case. This high school coach would kneel and pray after high school games and he was um, placed on administrative leave and it's made its way up to the Supreme Court. So we are about to file a brief in that case. And in Congress, we've actively um, been voicing religious liberty concerns, particularly with the Equality Act. It passed the House. It has not been brought to the Senate floor, but that is extraordinarily concerning for us. And we're, we're very actively working to push back that harmful legislation. And then there were some concerning uh, pieces in Build Back Better, um, particularly with faith-based childcare institutions. So we've been working on the Hill, again, pushing back on those harmful provisions. A second area of focus for our work, um, and this is a huge focus for, for so many people, but that is the issue of human dignity. In December, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a case entitled Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. And I know you guys have highlighted this case quite a bit on the podcast, but this case is a once-in-a-generation opportunity to revisit and hopefully overturn the disastrous precedent set in Roe and Casey and we are working here in D.C. to ensure that our state leaders are equipped to respond to Dobbs. So thinking through equipping the states legislatively, equipping them to communicate well on these issues. So we want to ensure that we are out front and being very proactive in, in equipping our states and our pastors for this huge court case decision. 
The uh, next area is marriage and family. Uh, we believe that God has instituted the family as an essential part of human flourishing, and we work on a number of public policy issues to that end. And one thing that we are uh, thinking through, again, tying back into the issue of human dignity, is child welfare. The sad reality is that if Dobbs is overturned and the issue of abortion is sent back to states, there will be more children who are entering into the the foster care system. So we want to be thinking through how to make sure that families and churches and and states are um, ready to get involved and to serve um, in the foster care system or serve uh, vulnerable children in a myriad of ways. Uh, next is issues of justice, which we, we talked about earlier. So in August, um, we saw the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, and there were a number of, of refugees fleeing the Taliban. And one thing that we have been working on for a number of years, is advocating for a robust refugee resettlement program. So we are continuing to advocate this year for the resources needed to allow refugee resettlement organizations to fully rebuild and provide uh, the necessary services to serve refugees. And then last but not least is uh, international issues. Again, another issue I know you've highlighted quite a bit on the podcast, but we've been very involved, particularly with the issue of genocide in China against the Uyghur people. But certainly China is persecuting Christians, Hong Kongers, and uh, many other ethnic and religious minorities, and they're oppressing their own citizens. There are a lot of issues in, in China. So we are in the middle of the Winter Olympics, and we had recently sent a letter to NBC, who is broadcasting the games in the United States, and asking them to accurately and fairly portray what is happening in China, and not just broadcast uh, Chinese propaganda. So we are continuing our advocacy on behalf of persecuted people, both in China and around the world. So that is a very brief overview of what we're working on in, in D.C. And again, if folks want to go deeper, we have our policy agenda online. Yeah, thank you for that rundown, Chelsea. And of course, we will link to the policy agenda and to some other articles in our show notes. And I want to do something a little different in our culture section and in this podcast and throw you a bit of a curveball, Chelsea, and ask you a little bit about your own story. How did you come to care about advocacy in the public square for some of these issues and and especially come to appreciate and believe that it's a Christian's responsibility to do this? I will try to make this as, as short as I can, but long story short, the Lord uh, very unexpectedly directed my steps to Washington, D.C. after I graduated college. I was not expecting it. I was actually intending to move overseas, and the Lord directed my steps here, and I uh, was working on Capitol Hill at the time. And my boss at the time was, he was the author of a number of the big pro-life bills uh, that are still live in Congress, like the Born Alive Bill and the Pink Capable Bill. And he was also the co-chair of the Adoption Caucus, which is Congress's largest bipartisan bicameral caucus. And I, I care very deeply naturally about those two issues, but I got to see a member of Congress who understood the continuum of 
of course we want to protect babies, but it must continue in caring for vulnerable children. And he did a lot of work on behalf of religious freedom, both domestically and around the world. And intellectually, I knew that government was a God-ordained institution, and then it was important for Christians to care about what happens um, and care about good governance. But I got to see, you know, and be a part of passing policies that impact the lives of hundreds and thousands of, of lives. And good policy matters because it does impact people both in the United States and around the world. So, God calls each and every one of us to get involved in in different ways, and we're not called to do everything. But I really did see that policy is a way to love my neighbor and that I, I can advocate on behalf of vulnerable people in passing good policy. Because again, it has very sweeping implications in how vulnerable people are treated. And so now at the ERLC, I, I am more of an advocate. I'm not on the hill writing public policy, but I can advocate for good policy. And, you know, I really do see, obviously I represent Southern Baptists here in Washington, DC, but I also get to be a voice for those, for the weaker people who don't have a voice or for unborn babies who don't have a voice or kiddos in foster, you know, what, whatever issue it is, a lot of these communities don't have well-funded lobbyists going to the hill on their behalf and, and they don't have voices to advocate for themselves. So it really is a joy to, to get to do this work. And just real quick, Chelsea, what would you say to the listener of this podcast who cares about policy because they, they want to, and they feel like they should, but it finds it confusing? Cause I, I would say that's, I'm one of those people, like a lot of this language and stuff is really confusing and it can feel muddied and clear as mud. So how would you encourage someone to understand more about it? And how would you encourage someone who wants to get more involved? Such a good question. I would go to ERLC.com. Uh, we do. We really do try to break some of these complex issues down into, you know, someone sitting in the pews that they can understand it and take these resources and move forward. And then I would say, if there's a particular issue that that someone cares about, read as much as you can on that issue, kind of figure out kind of... So let's say, for instance, I'm from North Carolina. You're in North Carolina and you want to make sure that your state is ready for for Dobbs and you you care about the issue of, of life figure out what your state laws are and you can do a quick Google search. Um, you know, reach out to to groups, you know, again, in North Carolina, you can reach out to the, the state leaders and kind of, you know, figure out what needs to change and uh, develop relationships with, you know, certainly the, the state offices of your congressmen and senators, but also your state leaders. I think one misconception is if you want to work on policy, you have to come to D.C., that is absolutely not true. Uh, you can advocate from wherever you are at a state and local level. It really does make a huge impact, um, state and local level policy. But then you can develop uh, relationships with, again, your uh, state offices with with your representatives. That's good encouragement and counsel, Chelsea. And again, we're so thankful for what you and Hannah are doing in D.C., all of the work that you're doing. But listeners, if you want to be praying for Chelsea and Hannah, please do, because they are carrying a lot as they're continuing to advocate for 
believers in the public square and as they seek to glorify God in the work that they're doing. And I know that we are, uh, we did something a little bit different this week for culture. There's a lot of news stories going on, but for now, that's your look at what's happening in our DC offices. And now it's time for the lunchroom, where we tell you what we're talking about with each other. Chelsea, I'm so glad to welcome you to the lunchroom, to the virtual lunchroom. What have you been paying attention to this week? So I feel like I talk about this all the time. So if if listeners have heard this before from me, I apologize. But it's that good, and I'm going to bring it up again. But it is the Libby app for your, um, your Kindle or your phone or whatnot. But it is an app that's attached to your local library, and you can check out Kindle books or audiobooks for free. And I love it. It saved me. I love to read. I'm a big reader, and it saved me so much money. Sometimes you do have to wait a while for some of the more popular books, but a lot of the books I can get immediately. And um, I love it. It's such a great app and it saves me tons of money, which my husband is very thankful for. Yes. I love the Libby app and I love that you can do audiobooks or you can just pull up some it's books so on great. your phone or it's whatever. So and yeah, it is great. I'm at listening to some books on there now. None of them educational. They're just uh, spy novels that I've been listening to recently. So I actually just finished a spy novel as well. You did? It was called um, A Woman of Intelligence. I'd give oh. it like three stars. I would not okay. recommend it. It was a little bit disappointing, but... Yeah, they're interesting. And they... Help. I don't know if anyone... Or if you watched Alias, which I wouldn't recommend for everything in there. Of course, you have to be discerning about things you want to skip through or whatever. But I secretly kind of wanted to be Sydney Bristow, a, just a really cool CIA agent. And uh, so the spy novels help meet that desire because I'll never be in the CIA and I'll never be cool like Sydney Bristow. Yeah, so if you haven't checked out the Libby app, you definitely should. It is, It does save you a lot of money. It saves you a trip to the library because who has time for that these days? Everything, you're, we're just never going to interact with people in person anymore. We're just doing everything online. So uh, here's one more way you can accomplish that. <laughs> um, so I had to think of what my lunchroom would be this week. And as my colleagues reminded me, the Super Bowl is coming up this weekend. And so I just saw on Disney Plus that there is a documentary called The Book of Manning, and it's about the Manning family. So Peyton Manning, Eli, his dad, his brother, who actually is a good or was a good football player, but had a neurological condition and couldn't play football. I believe that's how it goes. But I have been looking for this documentary forever because somebody recommended it. And then my mom wanted to watch it because she loves football. She loves the NFL. And it just was not available. I think you had to buy the DVD or something like that. So as I was skimming through Disney Plus, because we've been watching Boba Fett. What is what is that? Yeah. If you, so if you watch Star Wars, he's a Star Wars character. If you've watched The Mandalorian, this is a spinoff of Star Wars and some of those characters. And so Boba Fett's one of those characters. It hasn't been as exciting, but the last couple episodes have reintroduced The Mandalorian and so that's been interesting. Is Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda, yes. Who, okay. which his actual name is Grogu, but I still call him <laughs> Baby Yoda. So he <laughs> comes back in these episodes. And so that's been fun. So Chelsea, if you haven't watched Star Wars, you've got to go back and watch them. I would suggest watching them 
with someone who enjoys them. So Michael, I'll watch him with Michael. <laughs> yes, watch him. Okay, watch him with Michael because Justin loves him. We went back and we watched just all of them and it helped me to get into it. Anyway, this isn't even about Boba Fett or Star Wars, but I saw that the Book of Manning is on there. So you want to watch the story of the Manning's family and career, which is just interesting. I would recommend going on Disney Plus and watching the Book of Manning, especially in light of Super Bowl Sunday. Do you like football, Chelsea? I don't. No. I shouldn't no. admit this, <laughs> but I'm going to. I don't even know who's playing this weekend. Oh, no. I don't remember who's playing. I don't know. <laughs> somebody and somebody. I, can I don't Google remember. It, yeah. But I, do, I, I, I do not know. All I know I is that care. Tom Brady isn't in it and he's retiring. So that's what I, I know. I love basketball and I love I love baseball, but just I'm not a football. Yeah, well, the good old American sport. Yes. And I love hockey too. Like going to you a do? hockey game. Yes. Do you cheer for the fights? Because I can't see you I doing do. that, but <laughs> this do. might be a secret. <laughs> side of Chelsea that we don't know about. I mean, yeah. they want to fight anyway. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just saw on the Today Show that, uh, so have you seen Miracle? Is it called Miracle, the Disney movie? I don't think it's called Miracle on Ice, or maybe it is. But about know, the 1980 yeah. Yeah. U.S. Olympic team during the Cold War, they were made up of college students. They won the gold. It was just an amazing moment. The movie is so good. I would recommend that you watch it. It's so entertaining. But the hockey team this year for the U.S. is also made up of students. And they're hoping for a second Miracle on Ice, a Miracle on Ice redo. So Aww. you might pay attention to them, Chelsea, since I you like my like hockey. I love yeah. that. <laughs> I just show up to for the, uh, for the food, for the Super Bowl. Oh, that's of course. I, that's why I care. Yeah. <laughs> and the commercials. I also yes. saw a sneak peek of a commercial that Toyota is doing, which they've been doing some good commercials about these brothers. One was a, they're runners and one of them started going blind. And so they have run together and won some races together, as, <sighs> you know, as a support system. So it's pretty amazing. They do some really good commercials. I love totally. it. Anyway, Chelsea, I'm so glad that you joined us for this episode of the ERLC podcast and bringing some capital conversations to the podcast. You've been so much more enjoyable than Brent. There's so much less bantering because you're actually nice. <laughs> and I'm probably on my best behavior too. <laughs> the crossover uh, show. <laughs> yes, it's the crossover show. I love it. It's like the Chicago's on NBC, Chicago PD and Fire and Met or whatever. But we're so glad that you joined us. We're thankful for the work that you do there in DC tirelessly. And um, we're going to have to do this again and have you on when Brent's here too, just so we can both experience the joy of having you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And it was really fun. Yeah, it was so much fun. And we'll do it again soon. Just a reminder, you can find links to all the things we talked about today in the show notes. And if you like the podcast, please consider helping us spread the word by sharing the episode on social media or going into your favorite podcast app and leaving us a rating and review. The ERLC podcast is a production of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission and is hosted by Lindsay Nicolay and Brent Leatherwood. Technical production is provided by Owens Productions. It is edited and mixed by Mark Owens. In addition to listening to the ERLC podcast, be sure to check out our other podcasts. The Digital Public Square airs every Monday and its host is Jason Thacker, who is a leading voice on technology and ethics. And if you like staying informed about important policy issues that matter to Southern Baptists, 
Capital Conversations is our podcast directly from Capitol Hill, which is hosted by our colleague, Chelsea Sobolik. Search for The Digital Public Square and Capital Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with more content. Thank mm-hmm. you.